0: This is the Huikala Baptist Church Podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. We're delighted uh, that you would spend it with us today, worshiping together with your church family. I love you guys. So thankful for you. Grab your Bibles, turn to Psalm 68 is where we're going to be at this morning. Last week, we took a look at Psalm 68, and we took a look at hope in our Father, uh, God our Father, and this week, we're taking a look at hope in God's generosity in our online only exclusive series entitled Hope from the Psalms. We've been going through one psalm a week as we take a look at uh, some major truths from the Bible and places where we can find hope. When we talk about that word hope, we're talking about a confident expectation based on God's character and the promises of his word. And you and I can have hope because our God is a generous God. Psalm 68 is where we're at. We're going to start in verse number 8 uh, and read down to you verse number 19. Again, we're not going to have time to get this entire psalm cleared out today, uh, but we're going to get a portion of it in. If you missed last week's message or have missed any of the messages so far, you can always get caught up at our website at we Church. Although I would highly recommend that you download the Hui Kala app. Uh, Go to the Hui Kala app, click on the button at the bottom that says podcast. That's going to take you to a page where you can either listen to them online, uh, you can also watch them online and send them to your TV if you want to watch it that way. There's also a link where you can download the notes uh, for the message as well. And so if you haven't gotten the Hui Kala app, you got to get it. Uh, It's my favorite way to stay caught up on these messages. Psalm 68 We're going to start in verse number uh, 8 this morning, Psalm 68, 8. The earth shook, and the heavens also dropped at the presence of God. Even Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God and the God of Israel. Thou, O God, didst send plentiful rain, whereby thou didst confirm thine inheritance when it was weary. The congregation hath dwelt therein. Thou, O God, hast prepared of thy goodness for the poor. The Lord gave the word. Great was the company of them that published it. Kings of armies did flee apace, and she that tarried at home divided the spoil. Though ye have lion among the pots, ye shall be as the wings of the dove covered with silver and her feathers with yellow gold. When the Almighty scattered kings in it, it was white as snow and salmon, the hill of God is as the hill of Bashan and the hill of, high hill of the hill of Bashan. Why leap ye high hills? This is the hill which God desireth to dwell in. Yea, the Lord will dwell in it forever. The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them as in Sinai, the holy place. Thou hast ascended on high. Thou hast led captivity captive. Thou hast received gifts for men. Yea, for the rebellious also that the Lord... God might dwell among them. Verse 19 is really where we're gonna spend our time this morning. Such an amazing verse. Uh, If you got your Bible handy, circle this, star this, underline it. If you're using an app, highlight it. Man, this is good. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation, Selah. You take a look at who God is. We would all recognize that God is the creator of all things. He's the sustainer of all things. He's the owner of all things. But just because somebody's wealthy or somebody's rich doesn't necessarily mean that they are generous. Oftentimes, you see the people that have the least are the ones who give the most. Oftentimes, people think, well, I don't really have a lot of money, so I can't give. Most of the times, giving is not necessarily a financial situation. Giving is generally a heart condition. that while people might not be able to give financially, they can give in other ways and often do. But just because somebody's wealthy doesn't necessarily mean that they are generous. But God, God is wealthy, yet at the same time very generous. As we take a look at this passage, I want to bring out some thoughts. From the idea of God's generosity. First of all, if you're taking notes this morning, I highly recommend that you do jot down these thoughts this morning. First of all, our Father is generous. Again, we take a look at verse 19, blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with his benefits, even the Lord, the God of our salvation, Selah. You see, our Father is generous, uh, I'm sorry, generous, He loads us with benefits. I love what it says in verse number 19. He doesn't just give us benefits. He doesn't just dole out a couple of benefits. The Bible says that he loads us with his benefits. The idea that's used in this word that uh, the psalmist uses in in God's word here is the idea of being put under a heavy burden, the, the word that's used here uh, in the, uh, the Hebrew would be translated into the Greek to be the word that Jesus would use when he would say, my yoke is easy and my burden light. Yokes were not meant for being light. Yoke was generally a a large uh, piece of wood with two hooks in it to to put the oxen's necks through so that they could plow together. And when Jesus says, my burden is light, he says, I'm going to put my yoke upon you, but I'm going to do a lot of the carrying work. But in this case here, the idea is that a yoke, a heavy burden is placed upon us by ourselves that we must carry. What is this burden that we are loaded down with, the Bible says, it's God's benefits to us. It's God's blessings for us. And you and I need to only stop for just a moment to remember God's benefits. My wife back in, uh, I want to say it was 2016, bought me a daily gratitude journal and a uh, Unlike most of my journals, I actually use this one. Uh, I actually have a stack of unused journals in my office, and I've been forbidden from buying any new ones. Uh, But I've got journals with my name stamped on them. I've got journals with my name uh, in in silver foil on the front. I've got uh, uh, journals that I bought from all around the world that are absolutely amazing just to feel the paper, uh, to write on it with a fine pen, but I have nothing to write usually. But a gratitude journal, I thought I can do that. And so uh, I was cleaning up my office a a few weeks ago and I came across that gratitude journal and I thought, man, I remember this. And I began to look back and remember the things that God had done and I put it back on my desk because I want to remember to be grateful because God loads me with his benefits the Bible says in James chapter 1, verse number 17, every good and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights in whom no, is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. I remember uh, when my son Vanderlei was born. Vanderlei uh, graduates high school this month. It's hard to believe. Turned 18 back in February. But I remember his birth announcements. We put James 1, 17 on his birth announcements. He said, every good and every perfect gift cometh from above. Every good thing that you and I have in our life came from God. If you have breath in your lungs, God gave it to you. If you're able to sit down somewhere comfortable today and watch this service or listen to it online, God gave that to you. You're able to enjoy God's word, he gave that to you. You call yourself a child of God, God adopted you. And again, we don't have to look very far to realize God's blessings and how he's loaded us down with them. My wife and I were discussing this passage this past week and uh, I was talking about that word load and how it's meant to be put under a heavy burden. And she said, man, when I think of that, I think of whenever you have to get the groceries from the car. And I don't know about you guys, but, but we do this thing where we're gonna make it all in one trip. And so you get like seven or eight bags and you're like carrying them like this and uh, so that you don't have to make another trip. And she said, I think of God's blessings like that. Like, hey, I'm gonna take them all in one trip. I'm gonna to try to carry them all at one time, but they're really, really heavy and sometimes awkward to carry, but God loads us down with blessings. But not only loads us with his benefits, he also loads us daily. Again, if you take a look at verse number 19, blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with his benefits. You see, God's not stingy with his blessings and the fact that he holds a little bit out for a little while or only gives you as you need it. Worst thing in the world is when my wife makes chocolate chip cookies. You say, that's not a bad thing. I would wholeheartedly agree. The bad thing is is when she holds them back and she says, you can only have one or two because you don't need to eat the whole pan. Why can't I eat the whole pan? You know what God does? God doesn't hold back and say, oh, I'm gonna give you a little bit and that'll get you by for a little while. Oh, I'm gonna give you a little here and a little there and that's gonna hold you for the next month. No, the Bible says that he daily loads us with his benefits. And let me just tell you this, if you feel like you burned through all of God's blessings today, just wait till you wake up tomorrow, you'll be loaded with them again. Because God's generous. Bible says in Luke chapter nine, verse number 23, Jesus said this, he said unto them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. It's interesting you say, what does that have to do with God's benefits? You notice the word daily there. Jesus says, if anybody's going to be a follower of mine, he's got to take up his cross daily and follow me. But you know what God also says? He's going to daily load you with his benefits. I look at that as God giving us the provision we need every single day to live this life and to walk with Jesus. Jesus says, take up your cross daily. God says, I'm going to give you my blessings daily. There you go. You have what you need to walk with Jesus and to follow after him this week because God has given you what you need for every single day, every day. Psalm 63, verse number one, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. I love what he says, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. First thing, every single day, I'm gonna look for your face every single day. And God says, when you look for my face, you'll find my benefits. You see, oftentimes we want God's benefits, but we don't go looking for where they are. We want God's blessings, but we don't know where to find them. And a little bit later in this passage, we're going to take a look at where we find God's blessings and how God gives us his benefits. But God's not only generous, God's also fabulously wealthy. God is fabulously wealthy my kids were uh, looking through YouTube videos and we found this, uh, I forget what it's called. Uh, it, it's not an actual show, it's a YouTube series that they have where they take a look at these different real estate places and there's this uh, house for sale in Hollywood. It was 88 million dollars. And basically this realtor walks you through there and says, okay, this is where the, the sauna is and this is the closet. And uh, the closet was the size of you know most people's houses. And uh, the coolest thing that they had was they had a car elevator. It was all glass. Uh, and you drive your car in there and it would take it up to the, the top of the garage and you could see it in a clear uh, elevator. Whenever you wanted it, you push a button and it brings your car down. And then you pull it up front and there's a little... Th- pad out front that spins your car around in a circle until you go and I thought to myself good grief and of course my wife was enamored by the size of the closet and uh, things along those lines I'm like hey show me that car elevator again my goodness but you look at that and you go that's just over the top extravagant that's just over the top ridiculous wealthy 88 million dollars for a house like what? Wow, that's impressive. You know what God says? (laughs) You think that's impressive. You haven't seen what I've got. You see, what you and I consider fabulously wealthy is chump change to our God. You know why? Because God created it all. God is the sustainer of it all. And at the end of the day, God owns it all. He's the creator, sustainer, and owner of all things, and God has every resource at his disposal. You need finances? God's got you. He owns everything. You need food? God's got you. He owns everything. You need companionship? God's got you. He's got an entire family that he wants you to be a part of. You need peace? God's got you. He's got the Holy Spirit in you. You need some encouragement? God's got you. He's written you a book to tell you how much he loves you and how much he cares about you. He's given you promises that you get to claim every single day. Are you concerned about what happens at the end of this life? No sweat. God's got you. He's willing to give you eternal life. Are you carrying guilt over all the shame and the rotten things that you've done in your life? No problem. God wants to take that off of you and load you up with love, joy, and peace. He's got you. He has it all. You see, we get in trouble when we get the idea that God has a scarcity mentality. You see, the scarcity mindset says there's only a finite amount to go around, and if someone else gets something, that means there's less for me. For example, if you order a pizza, and you're sitting down at the table, and you begin eating pizza for every person that takes a slice off and puts it on their plate, that's one less slice for you. then we get the idea that there's not going to be enough pizza to go around. How many times have you ever sat, there's one slice of pizza left, and you're looking around to see where everybody else is doing. Okay, they look like they're stopping. They're still going full speed. They've got two slices on their plate that they haven't eaten. And then we begin to look and go, oh, yeah, I think I can take it now. We look at life sometimes like that. Like, oh, if Joe gets blessed, that's less blessings for me. Hey, if Tom gets promoted at work, that means that there's less promotion for me. And then we begin to look at people with envy and jealousy. And we don't want other people to be blessed because that might be less blessings for us. But God doesn't work from a scarcity mindset. God works from an abundance mindset. Oh, there's enough to go around for everybody. Has there ever been a time where maybe there's a last slice, slice, last slice of pizza or maybe a last piece of cake or something like that? They're kind of sitting there, hemming and hawing, and somebody says, so, do you want to take that last piece? And you're like, oh, actually, no, I think I'm full. And they say, oh, we've got a whole another two pizzas in the, the kitchen. And you're like, oh, well, that changes everything. Yeah, I'll give me three slices of that pizza you got in the kitchen then. Oh, yeah, bring me, load me up with another piece of cake and some ice cream if we've got more in the kitchen. That's God. God has an abundance mindset. He's got enough blessing to go around for everyone. That's why for us, when our brothers and sisters in Christ get blessed, we need to give them a thumbs up. Hey, congratulations, I'm for you. Hey, you got promoted, God bless you. Man, praise God for you. Hey, you got, your kids got into that school? Man, double thumbs up on that, praise God. Hey, you're going through a health trial? I'm going through it with you, and God's going to bless you because God's blessed me. God has enough to go around because he's fabulously wealthy and he is also incredibly generous. Now we see that God loads us up daily with his benefits. What type of things does God provide for us? First of all, we see that God provides for us physically. God provides for us physically. He meets every single physical need that you and I could possibly have. Jesus in Matthew chapter seven, verse number seven says this, ask and it shall be given you, seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh find and him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Hey, if you need something, God says just ask for it, I'll provide it for you, I'll meet your need. Now again, it's important to understand that God doesn't give us everything that we want because sometimes the things that we want aren't good for us. For example, uh, my daughter, Makili. You say, what are you having for dinner, sweetheart? And she'll say, Doritos. Sweetheart, that's not dinner. Oh, okay, Um, then I think I'll have chips. Doritos are chips, and that's not dinner. You're not having Doritos for dinner. Can I have Oreos? That's not dinner. (laughs) And then you realize you failed as a parent. Uh, But uh, no, sweetheart. Now, am I a terrible parent for not allowing her to have Oreos and Doritos for dinner? No, I'm a parent that loves her wants to encourage her to eat protein. And she's like, what's protein? If it has a mother, it's a protein. And so uh, we try to encourage them to eat better. Why? Because we're good parents. Sometimes we ask God for the things we want, and God says, "Mm, that's not the best thing for you. I got something actually better for you. You're just gonna have to hold on that. But the Bible says ask, and God's gonna give it to you. It goes on in Matthew chapter seven and says, or what? Man, is there of you whom his son asks bread will give him a stone? None of you guys, if your kid asks you for something to eat, you give him a rock. And Jesus goes on to say, do you think your heavenly father's like that? You think you ask God to, to meet your needs and he's not going to do it? He says, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? See, God provides for our physical needs. Friend, if during this time you have a physical need, you need to, first of all, let God know, and second of all, let your pastor know. You need to pray and ask God to provide. God cares about things like your rent. God cares about things like your bills. Uh, God cares about things like car insurance. Uh, God cares for things like job loss. God cares for the things that you and I think, well, that's too small, I don't want to pray for that. God says, bring it to me. I wanna hear it, if it's on your heart. And God says, I wanna meet your needs however I can, according to my perfect plan. So God takes care of us physically, but God also provides for us emotionally. And again, last week we took a look at God our Father, and for some of you might have a difficult time rationalizing the fact that God's our Father, yet he cares for us emotionally. Yeah, because he's a good father. He cares about what we're feeling. He hurts when we hurt. The Bible says that Jesus came into this world so that he could feel our pain, so that he could be tempted like in all points like we are yet without sin. The Bible says we don't have a high priest that can't be touched with the feelings of our infirmity. Jesus knows what it feels like to be betrayed. He knows what it's like to have people let him down. He knows what it's like to be hungry. He knows what it's like to not know what's coming around the bend. Now again, God is sovereign and Jesus was omniscient and he knew everything. But when the disciples says, hey, we wanna go, to, go home with you tonight. And he says, the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay his head tonight. I, I haven't really thought about where I'm gonna sleep tonight. And so Jesus knows the feelings that you have and God says, I wanna meet those two Psalm 55, verse number 22, it says, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. I love that verse. Because as God is loading us down with his benefits, as God continues to give and give and give us our blessings Maybe we can't make room in our bag for God's blessings because we're still carrying around a lot of hurt. Think about that for a second. Maybe you got a bag that God intended for you to, to fill full of his blessings, but you can't shove anything else in there because you got a big bag of hurt that you're dragging around. You know what the Bible says? Take a look at Psalm 55, in your notes there. The Bible says, cast your burden upon the Lord. Hey, whatever hurt you got, whatever burden you're carrying, the Bible says take it out and throw it to God so that God can continue to fill your sack with his blessings. See, God doesn't want you to carry your emotional hurt. God doesn't want you to carry your emotional damage. God doesn't want you to just drag around this baggage that's weighing you down from day to day. He says, give it to me. Cast your burden on the Lord and he shall Sustain you. Promise. That's a promise from God. Give your burden to Him, and I promise you, He'll sustain you. You know what He says? He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. You cast your burden upon the Lord. You keep your eyes on Jesus. You keep doing the right thing. You keep walking with God. The Bible says, You got this. And the Bible says, You shall not be moved. God speaking to the children of Israel in Isaiah 46, but the principle remains for you and I. Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb, and even to your old age I am he, and even to the whore's hair or the gray hair will I carry you. I have made and I will bear, even I will carry and deliver you. Think about that promise that God made to the children of Israel is it it's definitely applicable to you and I because he said, from the womb I had your back until the day that you die, I'm gonna have your back and I will carry you every single step along the way. Because God cares about our physical need. God cares about our emotional needs. But God also provides for us spiritually as well. Notice verse number 19 in Psalm 68 this morning. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with his benefits, even the God of our salvation, even the God who saves. And, friend, the greatest need that we have to be saved is not to be saved from poverty, not to be saved from emotional turmoil, but to be saved from our spiritual sickness, which is our sin. And God provides for us spiritually. You see, you and I were born into this world sick with sin. It's a condition that we try as we might, we cannot get rid of. And this sickness not only causes us to die, it also causes us to be under God's judgment. Because of our sin, the Bible says that God will judge our sin one day and you and I will stand before a holy God and be judged for our sin. The Bible says in Revelation chapter twenty. And all those whose names were not found written in the book of life were cast into the lake of fire for all of eternity. This is the second death. And sometimes people say, well, Pastor, call it? we talk about heaven and hell every single Sunday. We talk about Jesus and what he's done for us every single Sunday. We sure do talk about the gospel a lot. Friend, it's the most important thing in the world. If you're going to love God the way that you should, you need to know where he's brought you from. You need to be able to wrap your head around how much he's given to you because of his love for you. You need to see how truly generous God is because you were on your own and you owed a debt that you could not pay. I owed a debt that I could not pay. And God, from his love, his mercy, his grace, and yes, his generosity, sent his son Jesus. And Jesus says, I will pay that price. And Jesus suffered and bled and died on that old rugged cross to pay for my sins and paid for yours. He was placed in a tomb and three days later the tomb was empty because he rose again victorious over sin, death, and the grave. And Jesus Christ is risen. Thankful for that. Jesus died to pay for my sins. But friend, you've got to make a decision for yourself. Have you been saved Has there been a time in your life where you've been born again? Jesus is in John chapter 3, verse number 3. No man shall enter the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How does one become born again? Two words for you, faith, repentance. You need to believe in your heart that Jesus Christ came and died on the cross to pay for your sins. You need to believe that he is the only way to heaven and he is the son of God. And you need to believe that your faith in him will take away your sins. So I have faith that Jesus Christ is able to save me and forgive me and take away my sins. I've repented or turned from my sin and turned to Jesus Christ and been saved. Last month, I celebrated 34 years as a Christian. 1986, Jesus Christ saved me from my sins. Now, I haven't lived a perfectly sinless life since then, but I've lived a forgiven life as a child of God ever since then. Friend, once you accept Jesus Christ as your savior, know this, the Bible says that you're adopted into the family of God and you're sealed until the day of redemption. There'll be a day that you stand before God and God's gonna say, welcome home, son. Welcome home, daughter. Come on in, I've been waiting for you because we're family. God provides for us spiritually. Titus chapter two, verse number 11. Think about this, for the grace of God That bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity, and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works, I love what that last phrase there in verse number 14 says, that he might redeem us. That word redeem means to be purchased back. That you and I had been sold into slavery of sin and God sent his son Jesus to purchase us back from our slavery to sin. And now our debt of sin has been paid by Jesus Christ on the cross. But notice that we don't just need Jesus spiritually just to save us. We also need him to, here's a good Bible word for you, sanctify you. That word sanctified means to be set apart for a particular use. God doesn't want you to just get your ticket to heaven punched and kick back and relax and do your own thing. No, no, no. Now he wants to take you on a process of becoming more like Jesus every single day. And so God sends his son Jesus to not only save you from your sin, but also to sanctify you. That's the, what the beginning of Titus 2, verse number 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly. Friend, for you and I, sanctification is the process of living soberly, righteously, and godly, day by day. And it's a process that we have to go through. But God's faithful. So we see what God provides for us. He provides for us physically, emotionally, spiritually. But how does God provide for us? This is amazing. First of all, God provides for us by his son. Friends, salvation would not be possible without Jesus. To call God our father would not be possible without Jesus. To be free from the weight of our sin would not be possible without Jesus. To take all of our burden and cast it upon the Lord would not be possible without Jesus. None of it. So God gave us his son. Ephesians chapter one, verse number three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Friend, every spiritual blessing that you and I enjoy today was given to us by Jesus Christ, according to Ephesians 1.3. That because of Jesus, I am blessed. Romans 5 goes on to say it this way, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. How? How do we have peace with God? Through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we also have access by faith, into this grace wherein we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So Jesus Christ made it possible to be able to come to God, to have peace with God to have access to the faith that we have access to, only available because of Jesus Christ. And so God provides for you and I through his son. If you notice what Romans chapter five, verse number five says, hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. How does God's love shine so brightly in our hearts? It says by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So we see next that God not only provides for us by his son, God also provides for us by his spirit. Friend, if you are a child of God, you have inside of you the Holy Spirit. If there's been a time in your life where you've been saved or born again, same word means exactly the same. Again, in 1986, when I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, the Bible says the Holy Spirit came to take up residence in me and the Holy Spirit lives in me now and will stay with me until the day I get to see Jesus face to face. If you're a child of God, you have the Holy Spirit. Again, away with any errant teaching that teaches that you get saved here, but you get the Holy Spirit later. That couldn't be further from the truth. Or you get saved here, and then we'll pray that you get the Holy Spirit. Some people get it, and some people don't. The Bible is very, very clear. If any man have not the Spirit of God, he is none of his. Friend, today, if you do not have the Holy Spirit, there's only one reason you are not saved. That's it. But for those of us that are saved, God's given us the Holy Spirit to reside with us. I love what Romans chapter 8, verse number 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Have you ever sat down to pray and you just, you don't even know what to say? You're just completely and utterly overwhelmed. Maybe you're physically depleted or emotionally depleted or mentally depleted or spiritually depleted that you wanna pray, you just can't find the words, you just don't know what to say, you don't even know where to start. I love what Romans chapter eight, verse number 26 says. The Bible says the Holy Spirit's got you. He's going to make intercession for you with God. He's going to pray on your behalf to let God know what's on your heart. Man, what a gift that God gives us to allow us to be so close with Him that when the words can't even come out, the Holy Spirit will pray on our behalf. Again, you need to understand everything in context. This is not talking about speaking or praying in tongues, this does not talk about a private prayer language. We don't find that in Scripture anywhere. This is talking about you don't know what to say. You can't get the words to come out. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is with you and he speaks on behalf for you to God. That's a gift, friend. But the Holy Spirit doesn't stop there. The Bible says in uh, John chapter 14, 15, and 16 that the Holy Spirit is the comforter for us, that he comforts us, that he encourages us. And again, depending on your translation of the Bible in English, uh, the King James Version, which we use here, says the word comforter, Other uh, English translations use the word helper. I don't feel like that communicates really what the Holy Spirit wants to do for us in that moment. Helper, another uh, translation says the word advocate. I like the idea of the comforter, that my spirit is connected to the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, which is able to comfort me. And God provides me. He loads me with his benefits through his Holy Spirit you to know, see the other gifts that God gives us through the Holy Spirit. Take a look at Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23. You know what God loads us up with? By the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. These are everything that every relationship craves, every relationship desires, every home needs, every workplace needs, every school needs. Love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness. Man, these are the things that God wants to do in you and through you. You say, I can't do that on my own. I know. That's why He's given you the Holy Spirit to provide that for you. What a gift. God, you're so good, you're so generous. You've not only given me your son, but you've given me your spirit. And again, lest you not understand what a gift it is to have the Holy Spirit inside of you. If you read through the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit did not come to every single person who believed in God. In the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit would come and he would go. He would come upon people for a particular job or a role that they had. We see that he came upon the judges to give them special wisdom uh, to be able to communicate uh, and to be able to try uh, different situations. God's Holy Spirit would be given to kings to have wisdom and discernment as they led. That when Saul Sinned against God, God took the Holy Spirit away from him and sent him an evil spirit instead. When David sinned against God with Bathsheba, Psalm 51, read it for yourself. He says, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. God, please don't take your Holy Spirit away the way that you did with Saul. Please, I I just want to keep it. Now, I do wish I got the gifts that Samson got when Samson got the Holy Spirit. You see, Samson gets the Holy Spirit. He grabs a, a do- jawbone of a donkey and takes out a 1,000 guys. How cool would that be? Right? I, mean, I don't want to have violence and hurt anybody. I just want to go to the gym and be able to you know, squat 700 pounds or something like that. Can you imagine? Spirit of God comes upon you. You get superhuman strength. That would be awesome. But you know what? They didn't get to keep the Holy Spirit the way that you and I do. The Holy Spirit gets to be with me every single day. That's why Paul, as he writes to the churches, he says, guys, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't snuff him out. Don't shut him out. You need the Holy Spirit in your life. Guys, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Don't make him upset. And the Holy Spirit is a gift that God's given us. What a benefit to have the Spirit of God with us at all times. But here's what I love about the Holy Spirit The Holy Spirit's not weird, it's not mystical. When I was a kid, uh, sometimes the the preachers would come through and they'd say, oh, I was was preaching a revival down in this small town in Mississippi. And it's just like the Holy Spirit just came over the room and you could feel it. It was electric in the air. I don't know what that means, electric in the air. I've heard people before say, well, the Holy Spirit came down and it was like a fog on the auditorium. The Holy Spirit let loose that night. I don't understand what that means because that's not biblical. And as a kid, I began to think that the Holy Spirit was like the force in Star Wars or something like. Some people had it, some people didn't. The Holy Spirit was stronger with this guy than it was with that guy over there or they could you to do superhuman things. I didn't get it, but here's what the Holy Spirit is. It is the Spirit of God that resides in every single believer to help us to better understand. Here's the next thing that God gifts us, the Word of God. God provides for us by his Son, by his Spirit, and by his Word. God provides for us by his Word. And the Holy Spirit, please understand this, the Holy Spirit always works in conjunction with the Word of God. The Spirit of God works with the Word of God. Jesus, when he's getting ready to leave, in John chapter 16, tells his apostles, guys, I'm gonna leave, but it's okay because when I leave, the Comforter is gonna come and he's gonna remind you of all the things that I've told you. Great, so the Holy Spirit's job is to help you and I remember what Jesus said in his word. What a gift to have the word of God. We often think, man, what would it have been like to walk with Jesus and hear him preach? You know, I bet if, if Jesus came to preach and who he on a Sunday, I think we'd be so enamored. Nobody would be checking their phone. Nobody would get them to go to the bathroom. Nobody stopping and get a cup of coffee. We'd just be like, whoa. To hear the word of God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, expound on the word of God. Like, wow, that would be awesome. But here's what Peter says. Peter says, I've heard God's voice with my own ears. I walked with Jesus Christ myself personally, but we have a more sure word of prophecy. He was talking about the Bible. Peter said, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, he wrote these words and he said, I've heard God's voice, but I would rather have the Bible. That's heavy. And you and I, lest we forget the gift that we have in God's Word, how generous God has been with us of giving us His Word, the Apostle Paul would never see as much of Scripture as you and I have seen. The psalmist who wrote Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the entire Bible, talked about how good God's Word is. And you know how much of the psalmist had of God's Word? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Yet that was enough to blow his mind. Oh, you and I've got much more than that. Paul's writing letters to Timothy and Titus, and he, he duplicates some of the things that he's saying, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1, and the qualifications of a pastor. That gives the idea that they probably weren't reading each other's mail. That you and I have access to more of God's word than, than, than Titus and Timothy had, and they were some of the first pastors of Jesus' church. What a gift to have God's word. Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number four, whereby we are given unto us great and exceeding precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in this world through lust. What a, a gift we have. Notice what he says. Exceeding great and precious promises. Oh, You and I have God's word at our disposal. He says that you might be partakers of the divine nature, that you could be more like Jesus. What a gift the Bible is. And you know what God says? I'm gonna load you up with my benefits every day. Just come to my word and allow the spirit of God to speak to you through the word of God and point you to the son of God. And oh, you'll be overflowing at the benefits that God gives you. God is so generous with us. Psalm 19, verse number eight, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. You see, in Biblical times, they didn't have candy the way that you and I have. But honey, and especially the honeycomb, was something they could chew on and something they could enjoy that was sweet. It was like a little treat that you had. (laughs) You think of it this way, uh, it'd be like saying here, more they desired than ridiculous amount of money. Yay, much ridiculous amount of money. Sweeter are they also than the super premium ice cream, Kirkland brand from Costco, Smothered in hot fudge. That's how sweet God's word is. So good. But see, the problem with the goodness of God's word is you and I have just become accustomed to it. We might bring our Bible to church. We might not. We might spend time in it throughout the week. We might not. And we're flippant with it. But God has given us such a gift in his word. Make use of it, friend. Spend time in it. Get to know God through his word. But as we take a look at the other ways that God cares for us physically, emotionally, spiritually, God not only provides for us by giving us his son, giving us his spirit, giving us his word, and God only provides for us directly that way, but God also provides for us through those that even oppose him. Have you ever been overwhelmed or overcome and been blessed by someone who was not a Christian? I think all of us have. But I think if you trace back where that blessing came from, all of us would agree that it came from the Lord. That God can use unsafe people, people that hate him, people that oppose him, to bless you and I, and to load us up with his benefits. So God provides for us even through those that oppose him. I think of the story of Exodus chapter three when the children of Israel were getting ready to leave Egypt. God says, I'm gonna send one final plague and this is gonna be the one that ends all plagues. They're gonna ask you to leave. But before you do, would you go to your neighbor, your Egyptian neighbor, and borrow clothes, jewelry, and other really expensive things to take on your journey? Again, Exodus chapter three, verse number 20. I'll stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, he'll let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. It shall come to pass that when you go, you shall not go empty. See, these guys were slaves. They owned nothing. They were completely and totally broke. And God says, I'm going to lead you out of slavery, but leaving you out of slavery and leaving your pockets empty doesn't really do you a lot of good, but you can't afford to stay here because you can't make money here because you're slaves. And God says, you're not going to go out empty. But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house jewels of silver, jewels of gold, and raiment. You shall put them upon your sons and your daughters, and you shall spoil the Egyptians.'" The word spoiled is generally used in the Bible and in vernacular to talk about a defeated army that you go through and take all of their good stuff and take it home with you. Uh, we sometimes refer to the spoils of war. It's the things that we get after we've defeated someone. God says here, "I you 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 go borrow from your neighbor? He tells the women to do it, which is interesting. Ladies, go to your neighbor and ask for some fine jewelry and some fine clothes and take what you get and, and wrap your kids up in it. Take as much as you can get because you're going to leave tomorrow and you're not going to leave empty-handed. It's amazing how God took from the Egyptians who were haters of God and he used the Egyptians, the enemies of God, to bless the children of God. Friend, things have not changed today. God still takes from the haters and enemies of God to bless you and I. Zechariah chapter 14, verse number 13, it shall come to pass in that day that a great tumult from the Lord shall be among them and they shall lay hold every one on the hand of his neighbor and his hand shall rise up against the hand of his neighbor and Judah shall also fight at Jerusalem. There's gonna be a huge battle and the wealth of all the heathen roundabout shall be gathered gold, silver and apparel in great abundance. God says, you're gonna go out, you're gonna fight, there's gonna be a massive war and when you're done, take all their stuff bring all of their gold, silver, and apparel, and you're not just gonna take a little bit, you're gonna take in great abundance. God says, you don't have to like me. You don't have to worship me. You don't even have to believe in me. I'm gonna use you anyways. And you say, well, that sounds really dirty, God using people that don't like him. No, that's where you're missing the point. God already owns everything. They've got God's stuff. You have someone who is wealthy, who hates God. They've got God's stuff. He can take it whenever he wants. You and I, who might proclaim, profess to love God. We've got God's stuff too, and he can take it whenever he wants to. And God can provide for us, even through people that oppose him. But the way that God's provided through this pandemic is the way that's blessed me the most, is that God provides for us through his family. I've been so encouraged to see Christians taking care of other Christians. We've had in our church probably a half dozen or so folks lose jobs. Some of them are, have already gotten rehired back. Some of them are uh, applying places and having second and third interviews and things like that. And we praise God for that. But every single person who is going through a rough spot, I've asked them, and again, it's kind of weird for a pastor to ask, but it's only weird if you make it weird. Are you doing okay financially? Is there anything that you need? And to see people time and time again give, give, give. It's been encouraging to me to see Christians take care of other Christians. I started making a list of people who say, hey, pastor, if there's anybody in our church struggling financially, let me know. I want to help. Pastor, if there's anybody in our church that's hurting financially, I want to take on my bag of groceries. And time and time again, I've got a list of two dozen names at this point of people who have said, Pastor, I want to help someone who's in need. So thankful for that. I've been encouraged by some, some of our single adults. One of our single adults who is uh, working at the, the food bank. And he had uh, texted another one of our single adults said, Hey, is there anybody in our church family that needs anything? They contacted me, and I said, yeah. I said, I said, bring what you can. I said, you know, I could probably get four or five bags of groceries out today if you, if you brought them by. They brought by 17 bags of groceries. And it was a blessing for Angela and I just to take uh, one night and just get those distributed to see single adults who want to help out people who have families who are in need. And that blessed my heart. I've been encouraged by the folks in our church that have lost their job yet continue to tithe and continue to give and continue to use what they have to bless others. These are people that don't know when their unemployment check is gonna come. They don't know when they're gonna be able to go back to work. They don't know how their bills are gonna be paid, but they still want to give to the Lord's work, and they still wanna give to bless other people. I love that. Love it. You know who the real heroes are on Mother's Day? Man, single Moms. There's some fine, fine single moms in our church. And and ladies, uh, I love you. I'm so proud of you. Raising your kids in church to love Jesus, I promise you that you'll never be disappointed with that decision. Just this past week, one of the single moms of our church came up to our church with a ton of stuff that she wanted to donate. And um, inside was something that she and her daughter had some crafts that they had made that said, we love you on it and wanted us to take that and give it to somebody in our church. I thought to myself, that's what it's all about right there. That is it. Giving is not a financial transaction. It's not somebody cutting a check. Hey, look, there's people in our church that could cut a check for $1,000 and never miss it. There's people in our church that could give $10 and they don't know how they're gonna buy groceries this week. Giving is not about a financial transaction. Giving is a heart status. I'm so thankful for the generosity of God's people so thankful. Angela had reached out to to this mom, and she said, hey, thanks for being a blessing to so many people in our church, but do you have any needs? And here's what she said. The only need that I have is to give and be a blessing to others. Wow. I love how that's considered a need. I need to give. I need to bless others. I need to be generous. I need to focus on others instead of focusing on myself. I love that spirit. And friends, that's the spirit that makes this church family the best church since the book of Acts. A giving, caring, loving church family. I wish I had time to tell you the stories of all the people who have taken and delivered groceries to people during this time people who have called with a word of encouragement for people during this time, people who have reached out or given uh, food, uh, uh, food gift cards to the grocery store anonymously, people who have written checks to the church to give to another person anonymously. I wish I could tell you all that and tell you the stories behind it because it would blow your mind. But this is just God's people doing God's work. This is just God's people being generous. Generous. Luke chapter six, verse number 38 says, give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give unto your bosom for the same measure that you meet, wherewithal it shall be measured unto you again. Hey, take care of others, God will take care of you. Give and God's gonna give back to you. Galatians chapter six, verse number 10 says, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them that are of the household of faith. During this time, I believe that our church family has grown closer together. I believe that we've loved each other better. I believe we've checked in on each other more. And, friend, when we get the opportunity to gather back together, and I'm praying to God that that would be very, very soon, I know it's going to be a sweet day when we come back together because we've been building these connections during this time. Four final thoughts with the idea of God's generosity, and we're done tonight, today. First of all, trust in God's provision. God owns everything, he's your father, he promised to take care of you, just trust that. If you have an emotional need, trust in God to meet it. I'm so heartbroken when I see people with emotional needs run to dating relationships, thinking that's gonna fix their emotional problem. I struggle when people who have spiritual needs run to further sin, to be able to try to fix, cover up their sin with another sin, doesn't work that way. I see people who struggling maybe financially, want to max out their credit cards, and then they'll ask God for help. No, friend, he's the first place that we run. Trust in his provision. Secondly, give all your needs to God. Whatever you need, let God know. You say, well, God already knows. I know. Just keep a list and keep him updated. Again, I don't think that God needs to be updated or needs to be reminded, but the Bible says, ask, and he'll be given unto you seek and you shall find knocking the door is going to be open just ask continually give your needs to god i love this next one allow god to use you to bless others think of someone that you know that could use a blessing and again being a blessing doesn't mean giving somebody money doesn't mean showing up at somebody's house with a gift card it doesn't necessarily mean dropping groceries off Someone that could use a blessing might just be, hey, you know what? I was thinking of you today. Are you doing okay? Hey, I was praying today, and the Lord brought you to my mind. I just want to let you know that I spent some time in prayer for you today. Hey, that's a blessing. I had one of the men in our church come by this past week. We got to have lunch together. I mean, we talked for an hour and a half. I can't tell you the last time I had lunch with another man in our church seven eight weeks that was a blessing to me find someone that you can bless allow god to use to use you to bless others lastly model god's generosity god's not a miser with his blessings god doesn't just give you a little bit here a little bit there god loads you up with everything that you need be the type of person that Loads people up. And again, we're talking about if you have the capability to do it financially, if you have the capability to do it physically, maybe spiritually, load people up. Hey, I read this verse today and I thought of you. I hope this is an encouragement to you in the week ahead. Hey, uh, this was a blessing to me. I hope this is a blessing to you. Hey, I came across this song. It blessed my heart. I hope it'll bless you. Talking about being generous with your time, your talent, your treasure, your words. How about this? Be generous with your hope. Man, can you imagine calling up somebody this week and just say, hey, here's how good God's been to me this week. Tell me about you. This is why I think it's so important, especially during this time, for you to be a part of a small group. We have a group that meets on Tuesday night, a group that meets on Wednesday night, all online. You got to stay plugged into people, you got to hear about what God's doing. Last week we took a look at, or week before last, we took a look at the faithfulness of God. We just asked one question that night. Tell me how God's been faithful to you. And then we went around, 10 or so of us, and just talked about how faithful God was. And when I hung up from that call, my heart was just overflowing with gratitude and praise to God for his faithfulness. Model God's generosity to others. Most important thing in the world, if you're here, if you're listening to this and you don't know for sure that you're saved, friend, you need to be saved today. You might have been a recipient of God's generosity just because God is gracious and loving and merciful, but there's coming a day where you'll be loaded with God's wrath and judgment. But it doesn't have to be that way. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay for your sins. Friend, today, if you'd be willing to put your faith and trust in Jesus as your savior, you can be saved. But if you say, Pastor, I'm already saved. I'm already a child of God. Good. Here's what you need to do this week. Praise God for his generosity and then model God's generosity towards others. Make use of the benefits that God's given you through his son, through his spirit, through his word to take those benefits and then pass them on to someone else. We have a Father who loves us. He's so generous. He's so giving. Let's be like him this week. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we love you. Thank you for the opportunity to look into your word this morning. I pray that you would help us to live a life of generosity this week. I pray that you'd help us to live with open hands. Whatever you put in our hands, we're able to give it to others. Father, help us to make use of the benefits that you give us day by day of your Son to help us to be more like him through sanctification through your spirit, as we yield to the things you want to do in our life and give us the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Help us to make use of your word this week. And Father, let us take the blessings that you've given to us and pass them on. We Thank you for being a good father. We thank you for loving us. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest. This Sunday morning at 10am You'll find exciting classes for your keiki A welcoming church family And a message from the Bible That's sure to encourage your heart Join us this Sunday You belong here